Hey, everybody. I see y'all are deep in the chat today. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I have been wanting to do this show, but I wanted to give it a few days and just wait for more information to come out. But I know um, a lot of fans wanted to do a show to be able to call in, you know, state their opinions, state how they feel about everything. Um, I still cannot believe it's been a week now um, since the passing of takeoff. It's been so much going on. It's I don't know why. I just feel like this particular death of this particular rapper has been very, very draining. This one feels very, very different. I know a lot of people are very hurt, very upset, you know, asking like, you know, why and, you know, what could have been done? And, you know, you're even hearing people talk about change. People are not even starting to look at some of these music execs funny. You know, um, and I know I, it's been hard for me to sleep. The weather has been very gloomy up here in the Twin Cities like the past week. It's just, I don't care if it's daytime, evening time, everything is just dark and gray. Um, and maybe that's because the fall, you know, starting to get colder, the trees are dying, stuff like that. But it just feels like everything is just really gloomy. Maya says in Cali, it's gloomy also. Wow. So there's so much to unpack. You know, not even going esoterical with it, but there's just a lot to unpack with this situation. And one of the things that I find um, myself really looking at, and I know we had this discussion on the Discord on, during the last Zoom meeting, is why the music has gotten so low vibrational. Like why the music that comes from most rappers, popular rappers, I'm not talking about underground, I'm not talking about conscious, none of that. But why is their music like just always about the same things? Why is it the same recipe? And I call it the fuckboy handbook. Y'all remember that? I can't, I named that the fuckboy handbook years ago. I said the, the fuckboy rap handbook consists of black rappers killing other black men, um, impregnating, you know, having multiple day mamas, you know, cheating on their girlfriends, always promoting and rapping about, you know, you know, being promiscuous, not being faithful, having a bunch of bad bitches. I call it the fuckboy rap manual. And I've been saying this for years. And it seems like anytime you rap about something per that manual, that is when you will be pushed through the algorithm. That is when you'll be pushed through, you know, the radio airwaves. But I noticed, or what we've been noticing, there's no, there's really no fuckboy manual for R&B. There's no really a fuckboy manual for, you know, country, rock and roll, um, you know, Taylor Swift, uh, Justin Bieber. You know, they can sing happy songs. They can sing depressed songs. But I, I've just never heard Justin Bieber talk about airing out his ops. He's never had to. You know, so I, I just really been thinking back to all these videos that I've watched over the years where you've had white men coming out and kind of saying, hey, yeah, there's some shit going on in the music industry, but they can kind of get ignored. You've had older rappers, you know, the Chuck D's and um, the uh, the guy from um, Run DMC, not Run, but the other one, the bald guy, sorry, his name is escaping me, but he even spoke about it. So right now, one of the videos that's going viral again is about 
Um, it's coming from Pastor Michael T. Smith. And he is an older white gentleman. And he gave a, a TED Talk back in 2014. And he was basically saying that Black murder is a marketing strategy. Yes, DMC. Thank you, Ray Smith, DMC. Um, he says that Black murder is a marketing strategy. And I remember this went viral a few years ago. And, you know, some people paid it attention. Some people didn't. But it started going viral again. And a lot of things were really clicking with a lot of people. My comment section on Instagram was cracking. A lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, this makes so much sense. So I want to play you guys a, a small snippet. Hopefully you guys can hear it. If not, it's going to be edited into the podcast so you guys will be able to see it. And then I also want to play you guys a snippet after that of a little bit of what Kanye West was saying during, during the drunk champs. And they will always be drunk champs to me for, you know, for their actions. But um, he said some things, like I said, everybody was so quick to throw the baby out with the bathwater. With Kanye, he's not innocent in this, right? Kanye has said some disrespectful stuff, um, you know, no excuses for him for some of the things that he does say. But again, like I say with everybody, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can take bits and pieces that you may agree with, and then the ones, that, the parts that you don't agree with, throw it out. You know, eat the meat, spit out the bones. And there was a part that I remember watching because, again, I, I went into this not in my feelings about whatever people said he had said. I just wanted to watch the full interview. So I was 40 minutes into the interview when they decided to private it. But one of the things that he had said that I can go back and look at now that I'm seeing so much stuff happening was when he was saying, do you want me to tell you what's really anti-Semitic? And he starts rapping and he's saying, you know, I'm going to kill your nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill the nigga. Um, and, and, at, and when he was saying that, I didn't really get what he was saying right there and then. And then I ran across the Lior Cohen interview on The Breakfast Club. And I was like, wow. And then people started splicing it together. I said, okay, he's saying some things that make sense. And I don't think, I don't think him saying that is anti-Semitic. I believe in that instance, that particular instance, is what him, DMC, Scarface, there's even a video of Scarface saying the same thing, that there are certain people who are running things in the industry. I don't know everybody's religious background. It is not my business. I really don't care. You know what I'm saying? As long as you're a good person, I don't care if you follow Allah, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Christian, if you're a Wiccan. It's not my business. My personal relationship with God is my personal relationship, right? But there are people in certain positions that are approving this music. And this music has now become a detriment because, see, it's a little bit easier to swallow and not to be disrespectful. It's a little easier to swallow when a King Von gets killed, right? Because that was the energy he put out there. King Von was a hood serial killer. Let's just keep that real. People don't like to call it what it is, but when you have seven bodies under your belt and you're bragging about it in songs, you're no different than a Jeffrey Dahmer to me. You just don't eat people. See, people aren't ready for that conversation. When you're taking other young Black people's lives, I have no respect. I would not shed a tear for somebody who's been out here killing other people's kids, okay? But the reason why this death would take off hurt so much for a lot of people is he was never involved in a bunch of mess. His lyrics might have been, quote unquote, a little bit 
you know what I'm saying, low vibrational at certain points. But then in other parts of his lyrics, he made really, you know, he said a lot of real stuff, right? But the main thing is you never found him in a bunch of mess. You never saw him going back and forth with people on Twitter, pulling guns out, doing, you know, just all the nonsense that we've watched people do. I'm sorry. Um, hold on. Did I say something wrong? Oh, somebody put a question mark. Okay, never mind. Um, you never saw Takeoff doing things like that. Like, you know how 6 9 kind of would run around with guns and antagonize people and start stuff and, you know, just a bunch of just nonsense. You never saw that from this particular Migos. So I think this is why this is really shocking people because it's like, damn, if somebody who's literally sitting in the corner the whole night, not doing anything, basically on his phone, probably texting and chilling, just happens to walk upon a situation because his cousin is into it with somebody and the person, little, the dude in the yellow hoodie, Cam, allegedly, grabbed him and then just gave him a headshot. That is extremely disturbing and evil. And to think about it, the way it was publicly done, the way it was publicly done, knowing that that 808, eight, no, 810, whatever, uh, bowling alley, there's cameras everywhere. There were witnesses everywhere. People stay recording. When you see a, ce a celebrity, the first thing you do, you pull out your phone. So the fact that it was so brazen and they didn't give a damn about who was there, the cameras, the witnesses, that is some, that is very telling. That is dark, that is demonic, and that is showing that they do not care. They have no care for human life, regardless if it's a celebrity life or a regular person's life, because of how bold and brazen it was. It definitely gave up setup vibes. But let me go ahead and play you guys these videos. I want you guys to listen to this really quick. And then we're going to take calls. And I just want to hear from you guys. So definitely raise your hand if you want to speak. But we do have black people that get on the radio every day in white-owned companies, white-owned stations with white-owned sponsors that play the role of hypersexualized, hypercriminalized male. I ask these advertisers, I say, I've got hundreds of songs a day that celebrate killing animals. Will you put them on your station? They said, no. I've got hundreds of songs a day that talk about assaulting women and, 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 and abusing kids. Would you put them on your station? They said, no. I said, I've got hundreds of songs a day that talk about murdering blacks. Would you put them on your stations? They said, well, that depends. Depends on what? Who it's done by and who it's branded for. Because if we can get black folks to sing about it and we can brand it for our youngest black audiences, I think there's money to be made. I think there's American appetites to see these people that way. I said, how can you say that? They said, well, look, it's what these artists know. It's what they black people uh, create. It's a matter of fact, our surveys say it's what they want to hear, which speaks of a sickness. How do we live in a society where somebody says, you know what, I'm inspired to write a song that celebrates murdering another person. And then a person says, I'd like to put that on my station. Another person said, I'd like to pay for it. And then there's people out here in the audience that go, I'd love to hear it, as long as it's black guys. Because even white people buy rap music, buy this type of stuff, because we know that when we want to hear about killing each other, we know who to turn to for that type of inspiration. We call it our music, we say we own it. White people buy more rap than black people. Yeah, but we're very careful to turn it down at the stoplight when other black people are there. Why? Because we know we're just pretending for them it's, it's more authentic and real. I always ask the companies, what about your name? What about your brand? What about your value? And the largest radio company in the world said this, it's okay that we only have drug dealers on our black youth stations, we only have murders on our black youth stations, we support black charities. We give out water at the Martin Luther King parade, I think we've got it covered. We've bought them off. 
Now, people get upset, the smartest guys in the room again. You're talking about censorship. I don't believe that. I believe in, sen- I believe in free art. Make whatever you want. I believe you should make music about anti-Semitism. I believe you should make music about killing dogs. I believe in this country you should make music uh, uh, about uh, bashing homosexuals and driving them behind trucks. I believe you should make music about uh, stringing people up on, on, on trees. I believe you should make music about killing Whitey. I believe you should make all that music. But I also believe that in the mainstream marketplace, people should hesitate associating their name with certain content. You know, there's certain stuff you can't buy at the store. Certain stuff you can't get on iTunes because their brand doesn't want it. But if you want to hear black people celebrating killing black people, they got thousands and thousands and thousands of those things to sell you. I don't think it's about censorship. I think it's about American cultural hypocrisy. Because here's the truth. These black entertainers, they can't sing just about anything. There's some stuff that'll get them fired. And they get dropped, and they get fired, and they get slapped on the wrist, and they get disciplined all the time. Why? Because sometimes they step over the bounds. A very famous case is what happened with Rick Ross. Rick Ross is the Mammy Two Shoes, one of the many Mammy Two Shoes of our day. He's, he's a black entertainer in a world carved out for him and a role carved out for him by white entertainment companies. And one day he talked about, in the middle of a song that celebrated dealing drugs and killing blacks, he made a reference to date rape. And when he made that reference to date rape, that set social media on fire. That got 100,000 petitions in 24 hours. Hey, buddy, date rape is no joke. That had white people standing outside of Reebok in New York saying, you better take this seriously. We're tired of a rape culture in America. One line in one song moved the masses. And you know what Reebok did? Did they stand by him and say, hey, we believe in freedom of speech. We believe in freedom of expression. It's just a song. Calm down. No, they fired his tail on the spot. The president came out and said, this goes against our high standards. He's gone against the values of our brand. Shame on Rick Ross. We're disappointed. He doesn't know how serious date rape is. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, how can... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Convenient. Isn't that amazing? But here's what really happened. It's not their brand. It's not their values. Rick Ross went off script. He was hired to get black customers, and they think that black customers go with black bait. And in America, black bait is the hypercriminalized, hypersexualized portrayal of black people. And as long as he had sung about that, the stuff that got him hired, he still have a job at Reebok. But when he touched other sensitivities that affect us, he lost his job. See, the truth is, it's not they that need to change. It's we that need to change. We, we created the lies. We created them for our profit. We, the, we own the companies. We own the record labels. We own the advertisers, and we keep putting it out. And it's this that's got to change. I thought about it. You know what? I, I wonder if White Mike could get anybody's attention on this. So I stood outside of a Walmart, and I said, hey, uh, I don't think killing cops and killing blacks is very cool. And you know what? It only took seven weeks of Mike, Mike standing out there, and they wrote a letter and said, yeah, we don't think it's cool either. We're going to pull our name off of that. The largest retailer in the world had never considered that maybe their commercial shouldn't be right before or after a song about young black men being gunned down. And I realized this, that black murder is normal, but it should not be. And I realized the importance at the coffee table, at every headline, every pastor's gathering, every family gathering, to say, you know what, these black lives matter. It's not just another black kid. These are human beings. I'm doing my best in every way, shape, and form. Talks like this everywhere I can go to say, you know what, I was born in a world where black murder was normal. My kids were born into a world where black murder is normal. But I don't want to die in a world where black murder is normal. And my five years or ten years away, I don't know, but I'm screaming as high as I can. Let's feel this pain and let's lift our voice to tell the lies. They are not criminals. They are not deviants. And their lives are just as important as ours. Thank you very much. 
This chakras is real. Now, now I'm going to say some anti-Semitic shit. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. I'm going to fuck your bitch. I'm going to kill this nigga. That's the real anti-Semitic shit that the Jewish people get paid off of. Really rough, particularly on women. But I think it helped change the course of the crack epidemic. I don't know what's this opioid thing, man. Is is well, being a crackhead wasn't cool you, back then. Being what? a crackhead wasn't cool. Now it's it, they seem like they're they're making it cool to be drinking lean and syrup and it's the most dangerous. It's the most dangerous thing and... that's facing, um, um, our society. Are you so, so why sign an artist that would promote that? Um, b- because I, I I already answered that question. You weren't paying attention. Um, she asked me talent. Or issues, and I said talent, but I I, I have to I, I can't give up on people. What I'm saying that's hypocritical, though. You're saying um, the it's opportunistic. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got people to feed. <laughs> um, oh, I got a bu- I got a I got a business to run. <laughs> You're gonna make Dame Dash take this clip and call you a culture vulture. Who's Dame Dash? You brought him up. I don't even know him. I don't even know him. So you bring him his name up. I don't even know him. So y'all made a lot of money together. Made a lot of Come money. Come on, Leo. Don't do that to him. I don't know him. <laughs> Not the who is they dash, honey. You see that? I like that made me really proud of the Breakfast Club, even though child, they be on one sometimes. They really held Leah Cohen's foot to the fire. And Leah Cohen is the director and the head of music on YouTube. Y'all heard that long pause when they said, okay, well, if, if, if opioids is such an epidemic and we have millions or thousands or whatever, young people dying every year from opioid addiction, why are we allowing rappers to promote it in the music? Long, uncomfortable silence. Why would he told you why? It boils down to, like he said, it's it's opportunistic. They live in a capitalist society. And if I can make money off of black people and black culture pushing death and promiscuity and, you know, drug use and violence, because they're so far removed from it. Right. So it's not like when he walks out his door. I don't know where he lives, but. I'm assuming it's somewhere nice, you know, suburbs. When he walks out his door, he's not seeing all of those same elements that these young black men are rapping about and that are there perpetuating in their hood. So they're able to enjoy it vicariously through the safety of their million dollar mansions. You know, so it's a lot of food for thought. I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what you guys think about all of this. Um, you know how you guys think about takeoffs passing we have over a thousand people in here so feel free to raise your hand i'm going to start bringing people up on stage make sure you stay muted until i call your name chanel irvin go ahead and unmute your microphone hello hi Hi, how are you i'm doing great how about you uh well i mean i'm alive god is good gotta be grateful for that (laughs) yeah i just i don't have a whole lot to say i just really I've been following you for a long time, and um, I don't know, just a lot of these things are making me incredibly um, uncomfortable to 
watch and to see, especially with um, Kanye and the things that he has been saying. I know sometimes, you know, he can sound a little, you know, far gone. Mm -hmm. But um, I had a chance to watch the, uh, I guess, the movie that uh, Kyrie Irving, I, I think he, I don't know if he tweeted about it. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, he um, tweeted about it. Yeah, um, and I and I know there's there there's a lot of things that they don't want out there. They don't, there's a lot of things that they don't want people to find out or to see, and I just feel like it just makes me sick, you know. Especially since I have sons, um, I have adult sons and I have younger sons, and I literally get sick to my stomach just thinking about the world that they have to live in at this point because it just it really saddens me that they could silence people for saying the truth um i don't even know you know what i mean i just i just i don't even know what else to say <laughs> it's it's very very hurtful i think um to see the climate that we live in and also it's hurtful also to see a lot of to me, like even some in my own family, friends, like black people, they don't want to have certain conversations. I can't even have certain conversations with my family or with friends just because people aren't ready to really talk about or handle the truth at this point. That's why I love watching yeah, you because you like to talk about the truth. <laughs> yeah, and, I and, love it's, it. and it's hard. Like I don't, you know, like I, I get it too. Why? Because what did I tell you guys a few Spotify meetings ago, right? I said, understand that all of this that's being done to Kanye, Alex Jones, and others, this was before the Kyrie situation. I said, understand what's being done is this. They're hitting these people financially. Yes. Because once you hit somebody financially, there's nothing else they really can do once you're hitting them in their pockets. Yep. A $900 million lawsuit, never heard of this. Never. <laughs> if they're going to make it where he cannot bounce back from that. Regardless yeah. if you agree with Alex Jones or you're a fan or not a fan, all I'm saying is look at the big picture. Yeah. Kanye West went on his rant. He has literally lost everything. Within mm -hmm. 48 hours, they had him as a billionaire and replaced him mm -hmm. with Puffy. Yeah. That quick. The and quickest way to also, shut someone up mm -hmm. is to, yeah. to hit him in their pockets. Yeah, and that's just what it is. And see, and see, that's the problem now. Because now they're they're going after people financially everybody's going to shut the hell up mm -hmm. because nobody's going to risk their livelihood, nope. you know? And it's like, it's easy to say, well, this person should speak up or, <clears throat> you know, you've made millions of dollars. You shouldn't be scared, but we don't know everybody's financial situation because a lot of these people, let me tell you, are rich on paper. Mm -hmm. Does not mean just because somebody's worth $10 million does not mean that they have $10 million in their bank. In the bank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what people don't understand. A lot of these people's assets are tied into businesses, mm -hmm. homes, and, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, li li liquidation stuff, like li liquid mm -hmm. stuff. So it's not necessarily paper money. And that's what people don't understand. And that's what they're trying to do is make a point. Like, you, like the way they hit Kyrie Irving and said he has to pay 500000 to a, I guess, Jewish organization. Yeah, some organization. He has to go through some type of training. He has to meet with yeah. this person, meet with that person. I'm like, when I was reading that, I was like, what is this kindergarten? Like, what? I, I, I could not understand. I said, this is absolutely ridiculous to me, to, in my opinion. It's just my opinion, but I feel like it's absolutely ridiculous because to me, 
I watched it. It wasn't really. It was a documentary. It, I mean, it, it was a documentary. There's so many different documentaries out there. It was just a documentary doing what documentaries do. They just spit facts. They they talked about DNA, archaeologists, you know, the Egyptians. They talked about Africa. They talked about a lot of different culture. And all they did was just lay out the facts. There was, in my opinion, there was nothing that should have warranted what they're doing to him. And I, it, it's a problem. It's it's a problem for me. Yeah. It's a lot. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Now. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Let me go ahead and bring on Michael Pierre. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Salute, sis. Appreciate you letting me speak. Definitely. Welcome to the show. No doubt. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's super unfortunate out here. It's just bad. It's our whole, it's our whole culture. It's everything that I don't know that the culture believe in. It's just mm-hmm. bad. Sometimes because I I travel a lot, but you know I go back to Brooklyn because I, I try to do Brooklyn a lot of. Accent. That's a fact. You know all day. <laughs> but now you know I try to get back to my people. You know I try to get mm-hmm. I try to get back to the community. Try to spread as much knowledge as I could to the youth. Like and I I feel for the fans of, of Takeoff. Like I really feel it from Pop Smoke. That death hurt because that that little mm-hmm. boy was the one for real. Like. He was the one. He was mature. You know, even a couple things he was wrong about with the boy, um, with the boy Kiki and stuff. And I spoke to him about it, but Pop was very mature. He was the one. He was gonna do a lot of great things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I understand what the fans that what the fans going through. So I really understand. But, now let me ask you, because you're out there in New York and I know the drill music scene has been really big the past few years. It went from Chicago and now it's more or less in New York with the whole drill rap. Do you mm-hmm. feel like all of that stuff is also playing a, a, you know what I'm saying, playing a part in the culture, like with the violence? And then also, let me ask you, because remember when Mayor Adams came out and said he was going to ban drill rap, remember all the rappers, the, the old heads, Maine on all of them jumped up, oh no, it's freedom of speech, <laughs> that's part of our culture. So it's like, at what point, which one is it? Because we cry when somebody gets killed, you know, doing all these drill beefs. But then when the mayor wants to do something about it, everybody came out to defend it, including Fat Joe. So it's like, you know, what do we want in hip hop? Let me tell y'all something, man. Shout out to Eric Adams, but he he the real life ghost. He the real life ghost in New York. You know, that's just a fact. But, you know, without getting into too much, you know, like, we, we got to do it ourselves. We can't look to these people to save us. So we, we the ones that got to take care of us. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, because they, they just don't care, to be honest. They don't care. Like, and if they do care, like, they just so, like, they, they, they building so much capital off of this, it's nothing they could really do. So it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, what comes of this, because like you said, we have Pop Smoke. We've had XXX. We've had so many talented young people, you know, losing their lives. And now we have everything with takeoff. It's scary because it's almost like who's next. Yeah, it's um, I don't I don't know. It's just so mm-hmm. bad. Like even going back to from from the pandemic, I've seen a lot of people touch a lot of money that they never touched in their life with the mm-hmm. with the whole PPP loan and everything. So a lot of people was doing great, and now they hurting. They out here, they they ain't smoking weed no more. They smoking block work. They doing bad. The streets is hurting. They doing very bad. 
And it's, it's that's sad. That's a good point. That's a good it's, point. It's sad. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, is I think this has to wake up a lot of rappers. I think once you, once you get to a certain level, right, and even I've had to, like, think of this to myself, and, you know, once you're, once you're getting big and you're getting more notoriety, you got to move different. Like, if you wanted mm-hmm. gamble, it would have made more sense if Quavo and them would have been gambling in Vegas. You could get a whole private room, but it's like it's like this pressure on these male rappers to still keep it real and be around hood people. And they were riding around the fifth ward that night with the top down. Like we're yeah, that's a fact. You know, mm-hmm. takeoff was quiet. Takeoff didn't say anything. He was just in the backseat, like I'm ready to go home. But you know, Quavo, you know, we in the fifth. We in the, and I'm thinking to myself, they could have got them right there. Y'all are on Facts. Instagram in real time, showing your location. You know, and it's just, it, it's it's heartbreaking because it's like everybody, as much as people have love, the wolves are watching too. And like exactly. you said, the streets are hurting right now. They hurting T. Like I moved my family. I got my family out in Houston. You know, we got a nice house in Sugarland. you know, mm. put, put wifey and my kids out there. But, you know, I, like I said, I go back to Brooklyn, but I just don't. It's better for me not to live there because it's 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 nasty. Like the streets is really hurting. So mm. you know, it's it's just it's just best. I tell yeah, I I don't know. I, I hate to say just move away because we do need to build up our own neighborhoods, but it's bad. People people really hurting. Like I talk to these kids, they, they don't even got money for haircuts. They they wearing yeah. Nike tech suits in the summer. I know they musty. They don't got no haircut. I just be feeling bad for them. I really feel right. bad for the youth. For real. It's, it's sad. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Michael. It was really good talking to you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. Much blessings. All right. You too. Okay. Let me go ahead and bring on Taylor. Taylor, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, T. Uh, I'm ready now. Hey, Taylor. I- okay. You ready now? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> you can hear me clear. Ain't no, ain't no background noise or nothing. Loud and clear. You good. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you always uh, spreading your truth. I know it's hard right now when they uh, censoring hard. every censoring everybody and stuff. So, um, I got a lot to say right now. Um, forgive me because uh, it's just a lot. So, uh, November first is my birthday, which is like the day after Halloween, and everybody mm-hmm. said that's like a real spiritual holiday and stuff. So, I had woke up to the news that takeoff was shot. I was, I was working, and they say takeoff was shot, so it kind of took me by surprise. But also, my sister was murdered. And I found out that it was probably an hour later. So your sister was murdered on November first on your birthday as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm that same, so that same, same night, the energy was just off, and I felt it. And usually, I'm having a great oh. time on my birthday in Jacksonville, Florida. Her name was Ashley Fowler. If you guys want to search it, and I'm saying this because she was wow. killed by a man that a black man, you know. And it's hard because I'm a black man right now. But like I said, right now we have a sickness going around our community she was killed by a black man who was mm. who already has victims and strangled people and already hurt other women and should have never been out of jail so when you see like like you said somebody like a king Von and stuff like that people who have known histories who've been in jail and been let back out it's just mm-hmm. the justice system fails us over and over time and time again as a people so i'm dealing with that it literally just happened this week with my family so i just want Everybody, I see her. She's beautiful. And I appreciate wow, I'm that. I'm so sorry. I spoke for her behalf on the news. If you would look that up, and 
if you if you it wants that you know I know you like doing your your, your deep dives you mm-hmm. that's something you can definitely deep dive in when you got time because it's it's a hell of a story behind that he was arrested multiple times he was even arrested here he wasn't supposed to be out they they didn't violate him on probation his still girls missing on his behalf so I'm really hurt about that but and it it just goes back into the energy of our people and at night mm-hmm. and that day and but uh I don't want to take away from the subject I just wanted to let that be known because. Also, if you look at a lot of just rappers shootings and deaths and stuff, it's always around November, November time. So, yeah. Yeah. We had um, what King Von, uh, Mo3. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was several of them that got killed in November. And you know what's really disturbing, too, that I'm really realizing um, is the whole insurance policy situation. Young wow. Dolph as well. Thank y'all. Um, and I, I've just I haven't really I've just kind of started digging into it. And I guess I never really thought about it until I think maybe around like the fifth or sixth rapper homicide mm-hmm. that they're really putting insurance policies. Yeah, it's a name for, I want to say it's like a key man insurance or straw man insurance. I'm not exactly. Yeah. I want to yeah, say it's, it's a like real a thing. Man. It's like a and key my homeboy. He also raps. I mean, he even talked about. It. He said yes. He said you got to understand when you rap or when you're in the entertainment industry, you're an asset. Your commodity right. at that point, he said. A lot of people, he said, from basketball players, they insure their legs, their wrists. I know Tina Turner's legs are insured. I remember hearing about that years ago when I was a kid. But I didn't get it because mm-hmm. you are a you are a liability. You are an asset to these companies. It's a real popular. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So if something happens to you, they have to recoup that. So now you got to ask yourself, well, damn, who's about to get all the money from the Delta takeoff? Who stands mm-hmm. to benefit? Correct. Because remember, they were all beefing at one point with with QC and the record label, and it's right now. That's what I wanted to get into. Now I don't want to get too occult Mm -hmm. too. They used to be on Adult Swim. I don't know if people used to watch it, but there was a cartoon called Freaknik, and it was T Pain, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Snoop Dogg, and they were going for like a music show, and they were trying to make like a positive music show. And then it was a thing. It was basically the black elites called the Boule. They got word Mm -hmm. that. They were trying to spread this positive music. So they basically went out to stop basically T-Pain from getting to spread the love, basically. It's called Freaknik, but it exposes just basically before we even get to the Jewish people, it's a sector of black people who are basically gatekeepers. And they, mm. they, they are just the chosen ones to trick us and make us feel like everything's okay when they're really reporting back to, to, to the, well, right now, I guess, Jewish people, whatever, you, against, but, but you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot going on, and I, I, you know, I'm kind of confused. But I just want to let my sister be uh her her story be told, and because it's like it's like yeah. a lot from that, and then also just save my one two on this this whole week because it's just been crazy, dark energy, and like I said, one more, one, I'm sorry, one more thing. And also, like you said, mm-hmm. if it's a movie called The Island. If you watch the movie called The Island, it kind of can break down why they would do this to celebrities, and like you said, people who own it, it's about basically they're cloning people and they owning. It's showing people who buy insurance policies on the clones to own them and control them in the real world. And the clones don't know they're out in the real world. So really good movie. Shows a lot of insight. And check out Freak Nick, too, because it shows a lot of what's going on in the music industry through a cartoon. Wow. So, yeah. I'm going to definitely check this stuff out. Thank you for just coming through and dropping, you know, what the info. Once again, rest in peace to your sister. I'm going to look more into that story, but I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss. And I appreciate you. Like, like I said, just a lot of clothes just to vent to you and just talk to you. Because like I said, me and my sister, my other sister, she's going to hear this. 
that was our that was our best friend. So we, just listening to you, it's, it's our event. We talk about you all the time. So that just made me feel Aww. good. I really appreciate well, you. Well, thank you. And happy belated birthday too, Taylor. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I okay. Bye. Take care. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that, that was very deep. You know, it's so much going on out here and it's so much loss. And I know a lot of times we focus on the celebrity deaths, but um, it's always good to get a reality check that there's regular, you know, average, you know, everyday citizens who are out here losing their life too. And and black female homicide is at all point. It's, a, it's at an all time high, you know? So that's why I just, that's why I felt so emotional that day um, on Halloween to speak about that young girl who was killed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Guilt. And that's crazy. The next day, Taylor's sister was murdered. Hooey. Yeah. All right. Let me go ahead and bring on some more calls here. Um, let me bring on uh, the strawberry or the straw duchess. Sorry. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, it's Dab Straw hey. Duchess. Oh, I could not read that. Dab straw duchess. Okay. Because it's like, yeah. cut off. <laughs> How you doing yeah. today? I'm good. I'm actually like in a training right now, but I could take time because okay. I have not, I've always tried to get on here and I never get on here. So I'm excited. Okay. So um, basically um, I feel very, very like upset about the whole takeoff situation um, mm-hmm. just because he was one of my favorite, like he was my favorite Miko from Jump. I just love a bass voice because my voice is so high. So I've mm-hmm. always loved like a bass voice. And um, I feel like he was very underrated because he always like when his verse came, it always shut down Quavo and Offset's, in my personal opinion. It always shut mm-hmm. them like because he will come off so strong in that voice. He had a voice that really reached out to people and like i loved how i'm a gemini too so i'm all about my privacy and i loved how private he was and things like that but um i really have a side eye to qc just because like Mm. when marlo passed and like um they had another wavy navy he passed like they've had like a lot of different artists just pass on their label and it's like a money grab. I just feel like it's a money grab, but, um, I forgot all about Marlo. Yeah. Like, so Mm. I just, I have a side eye towards, um, QC specifically P, but, um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. And I'm part of the discord now too. So, Hey, discorders. All right. Well, I'm glad you're a part of the family. So we'll see you in there then. Okay. All right. Thank okay. you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. She brought it back. I, I really did forget about um, QC Marlowe. You know, Marlowe was part of QC. I totally forgot about that. He was shot on the freeway. Mm. Okay. Let me go ahead and bring on um, Ano. Uh, Ano, A-N-O. Can you go ahead and unmute your microphone? Hey, T. It's Anergy. Anergy. I, I, right. <laughs> I love it. 
How are you? Thank you. I'm good, thanks. I'm from the UK. I just wanted to quickly say thank you so much for being such an inspiration and spreading so much truth and seeking truth. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you for calling in tonight because I know it's late where you guys are at. Yeah, it's like 10 to 11 p.m. now. <laughs> oh, okay. But, so what um, did you want to add about the situation with takeoff and everything going on here in the States? Yeah, so I think it's quite interesting um, seeing how rap music and um, killing and, and murders and things, they the gang culture sort of grew at the same time as rap music, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was almost like side by side. You had the rap that was telling the lives of black stories. Some of them were positive, some of them were negative. And then at the same time, you had the gun culture that was also going on at the same time. And it was like sort of art imitating life and life imitating art. And mm-hmm. a lot of the music was reflecting um, all the positive things that were happening and also the negatives that negative things that were happening in the black community in America. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, rap music was a way for black people to tell their stories, who, um, I think you said in the past, they, some, some of these um, uh, black people who wanted to share their stories through music couldn't uh, sing, so they used rap as a way to express their emotions and things that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, there's also a dark side of that where we had very negative things about murders and killing people and drugs and um, extortion and all these other things that coincided with it. Um, but I think that, unfortunately, this kind of music, even though it came from the Black community and had a lot of positives to bring, um, the negatives that were brought with it, I don't think it's unique to the Black community necessarily. I think that every community that has gone through struggles has their own uh, music that empowers them in a way. Um, for Black people, I think it wasn't just rap, it was also R&B and soul um, that empowered our communities and gave us a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with every community, even when you look at, for example, um, in Jamaica, um, their music, the way that we had the contrast of like great artists like Bob Marley that rose from the ranks, um, spreading messages of love and peace and uniting the world. We also had another side about gang culture there. And if you look into Jamaican music, there's a lot of negative uh, Jamaican music about killing and rape and murder. Mm-hmm. And it's not just unique to America. It's, I think every community has its own uh, music that reflects the... Even in the uh, chat, um, Jess Martinez is saying that in Spanish culture, they have the corridos. We had talked about that a few streams ago. You know, mm-hmm. like the Spanish uh, drill music and they're rapping about murders and stuff. Um, with like the Spanish um, gangs and things like that, like the cartels, they have like their own type of drill type sound too. So yeah, you're right. It's definitely, yeah, narco, narco corridos um, is definitely that type of music. You have the good and bad in every culture. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, DMC, Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC, I remember seeing this interview like a few months ago and he was saying that when they started, you know, nobody knew, you know, rap was going to be as big as it was, right? It was just something they were doing. They were having fun. There wasn't a lot of money in it. And he said, when they started wearing those shell toe Adidas, they made Adidas, they literally made them a household name. 
you know, not saying that Adidas weren't big before, but them rapping about my Adidas and, you know, wearing the whole outfits and stuff, it it like solidified it to like the minds of young people. You saw Adidas tracksuits being sold out, the Kango hats, the shoes. And he said he believes that it was in that moment that, you know, the powers that be realize that this is really an influence. If I can influence millions of kids to run out and go buy, you know, shell toe Adidas, what else can I influence kids to do? Yeah. You cannot tell me that there's not a connection in the music. If I can tell you to go do something positive, I can also tell you to do the negative. And, and music is something that permeates the, the soul. That's why even at night, you have to be careful what type of music you listen to at night because it's going into your subconscious. It's going into your spirit. So I believe that it goes very, very deep with how they, they the type of music they put out there, the type of thing that, you know, is promoted. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be able to listen to darker music or low vibrational music if you want to. You do what you want to do. But there has to be a balance. That's my issue is that there's no balance. When you listen to the radio, every rapper raps about the same topics. Everything is death, destruction, drugs, and sex. There's no, even the females, there's no real variety. Whereas in the 90s when we were growing up, we weren't really, we didn't listen to NWA and Ice Cube like that. I was too young for that. But guess what? MC Hammer was around. You can't touch this. You know what I'm saying? So we had a variety. Yeah, yeah, like, tell me, like, where is this generation's MC Hammer for the eight-year-olds to listen to? Because the eight-year-olds I see are are reciting little Dirk lyrics to me. They're reciting little baby lyrics to me. You know, so that's my issue is, like, there's no variety. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think also um, the... I think rap music is just that something that took over America. But I think in the past, we've had other genres of music that have taken over America. For example, um, the time period of rock music. And some of the lyrics in rock music were extremely violent, you know, about killing people, um, uh, even the S word, you know. Um, But I think that um, even though rap music is extremely popular right now, I think it's because a lot of people in the black community are frustrated with what they're going through. They feel like even if they have a good job, a steady job, it's not enough in that they still get harassed by the police. They still have to go through institutional racism, all these other things. And some people, some, some people fall into the trap of thinking that it's the only way out of their poverty or their situation is to go into gang culture, going to drugs and killing and murders in order to gain that power they that so desperately need. But for me personally, I'm not a person who's attracted to that kind of thing. I source my power from God and I'm a Christian and I believe in, um, you know, peace and things like that. And I also listen to a lot of gospel music. I primarily listen to a lot of pop music as well because it has a more positive message. So not everyone seeks their, uh, their power from negative and violent things, but some people do and they find it really uh, almost like, um, I wouldn't say like a tribal call to war, but it's like a, um, it rouses them. It makes them feel powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you so much for calling in this evening. It was really good talking to you, sis. Thank you. It was really good talking to you. Oh, I'm a man, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'm sorry. No, it's But right. it was good talking to you. Bye. Okay, bye.
I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm, I, I'm so used to saying sis. I'm so sorry, sir. Because <laughs> I'm looking at like so many different pictures. There's like a bunch of pictures on the screen. I'm seeing Anissa and all these people. Child. Y'all know what I meant. Um, let me go. <laughs> let me go ahead and bring on Anissa. Anissa, go ahead and unmute your microphone. <laughs> Lord. Anissa. Now, Nisa don't want to talk. Okay, sis. All right, let me go ahead and bring on Elijah. Elijah, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Oh, shit. All right, give me a second. Give me a second. Oh, Lord, I'm making lasagna, girl. You're going to call me off guard. Okay. Ah, um, ah. <laughs> you got to turn you... that background down. Okay, yeah. Okay, is it good now? Okay, perfect. Okay, yep, okay. Oh, great. my God. All right. So, okay, first, oh shit, hi, oh my god, <laughs> um, it's my third time, so, turn that off, turn that off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, mute it, mute it, oh my god, all right, so, first topic that I want to talk about, I got roommates, um, was the net worth thing, you said that your net worth does not equal your pockets, right? Right. So in Texas, I grew up with a certain range of people. Um, so I had a friend who his net worth, he was worth 80 mil. He was broke, broke. I'm talking like you have to, he needed money for dinner. He needed gas money. He couldn't afford the car he had. And he was worth how much? 80 mil. Was he worth 80 mil or his parents worth 80 mil? He was worth 80 mil. His parents, I believe, um, were in the hundreds. I didn't really get to like into it, to be honest with that. But okay. I just knew his net worth. Um, <clears throat> I believe um, he had it through, it was some car company ordeal. But basically, he didn't have any money in his pockets. I don't know what happened. I don't know how he got there. He was good for about a year that I knew him. Second year in, broke. Tire year. Um, and then you had me. I worked at McDonald's, did some other things on the side. Um, I was reaching about 15000 a month on my end. But my net worth did not equal this. So I didn't own anything. I was like 16 years old. So I didn't have assets mm -hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't yeah your, your net worth is based off of your assets so if you're yeah. 16 you're not old enough to have a home in your name yeah uh, things like that so you're not gonna have you know assets to show your net worth what you're gonna have is liquid like liquid cash right things in exactly. the bank. and people are not able to google that so that's why i always mm -hmm. laugh when people get gassed off of people's network well, yeah, right. they're going to be worth $4 million if they have a $4 million home. But that doesn't mean they can afford the mortgage even. That's just what's showing mm -hmm. on the tax statement. Right. You know? That's what I'm saying. And he had, like, a $30,000 car. And then he had um, another one that um, it wasn't in his name, but uh, he had, like, some type of Mercedes or whatever. But he made the payments on it and couldn't keep up with those payments either. So it's like, you know, net worth does not equal what you have in your pockets. And I don't know how much I have to sit here and silently stress this with people like, these people don't have the 80 mil, it looks like, on Google. They don't. They don't have that. So when I saw um, Kanye and losing a billion dollars, I instantly understood how. Okay, but they took away some assets. He didn't, he wasn't, but it wasn't liquidating for him. And he, there wasn't, 
when you own something, if it's not profiting for you, the money's coming in, but the money's going back into that business. And a lot of people don't understand it's not residual profit. It's, it's, it's just residual flow of money for your business or whatever asset that is. You're not making anything back. So I wanted to talk about that first. Okay. So what Second, did you think about the takeoff situation? Let's talk about uh, that. I was going to get there. Um, so you said that you believe the influences on gun culture and rap music itself and what they're implementing on the youth. Personally, uh, that's my opinion. I don't want to get dragged, but I, I believe it's a, I'm black. It's a cultural thing. I have to say it, it has to do with something with the way that we're raised, that vibrato, that masculinity, that forefront to say, or basically we're, as black men and females, we're taught to kind of swing at the world before it swings at us. And you can hear that with the music we make. We're aggressive, and that's okay, but it's because we're taught to be this way, and that's what we portray. And, and um, what is the saying? Art imitates life. So the art that's being created is imitating our life, basically. And I think people for the most part, have to stop looking at it as, oh, rap music is pushing this, rap music is doing that, rap music is, I don't think it's rap music. It, it's, it's the way our community, how we are raising each other to do, to be a certain way. We teach our black men to be aggressive. We teach our black females to be aggressive. We, we, we teach our, our black youth to be this type of, shell of don't let nobody hurt you because our ancestors or and I get it I really I really do get it but at the same time if we're gonna say rap music is making black people do this we have to really look at why are our why like why why is it that is predominantly black people making this type of rap music because the white boys don't rap like that the Mexican boys don't rap like that we have Asians that rap and they don't rap like that and it, it has to do with the way we're raised, I believe. So you believe that it's more or less the culture of how these people are raised and they're bringing that culture of how they're raised to the microphone. Yeah. Okay, so, so I, okay, so let's say I agree with what you're saying. So then where are the checks and balances? Where does it end? Okay, so you've been through a lot. Your mama raised you aggressive. Your mama told you to go out there and meet up everybody who even looks at you sideways, right? So then mm -hmm. you go into the studio and I'm going to kill my op and you look at me crazy. I'm going to shoot you in the face. Where are the checks and balances to say, okay, well, that might have been your experience, but we're not going to pump that to the masses. We don't want the next generation thinking that's how you handle conflict. So where, you know, so does the record labels not get any blame? for taking that particular segment of black people and always pushing that because again, black people are not a monolith. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So everybody didn't grow up like that. So how come the ones who didn't grow up like that, whose mothers weren't teaching them to go out there and fight and bust caps and everything else, why is their music being suppressed? I think that's where I have to take your words and say that's what's get pushed through the narrative. That's what they decide to make mainstream. Like I believe uh, one time I was listening to you, I mean, listen to all your videos, but at one point you said that they basically come into our streets and, and pick up what they think is, is profitable essentially. And they sell that. And sadly, so these white kids like to sit here and be all thug as much as they can be away from us or with us, whatever range they have. 
So if that's what's going to sell, I mean, that's what's going to sell. And I can't, you're right. We can't sit here and shake the blame away from labels because they are the ones picking it up. But we can't also ignore that, okay, this is what the community is not about, but it's what's within it. But I mean, I don't know. What do we do about being picked up? Do we just say no to a million dollar deal when some of them have never known that money? Or, you know, it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a deal. It is. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Elijah. It was good talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Enjoy that lasagna. I will. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. The chat is wild. Y'all are doing the most of that chat, hoodie. Let me go ahead and bring on Thailand. Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, hey, first of all, I want to say um, it's just great to hear you because I listen to you all the time. So it's, it's cool. It's Thailand with the sexy, healthy vibes. But I did want to get into a couple <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. All right. So the whole takeout thing did get to me. I didn't really follow their personal lives or nothing like that, but <laughs> I loved his voice. It was something about his voice in particular that I would, you know, I'm an artist myself and I was studying, I was studying him. So I, that's what really got to me, you know, with losing that type of talent. But I had wrote in one of, like you had first, like initially, like posted about it. I wrote some coincidences down that I just thought, it was weird to me. Like I was saying that, you know, Migos, they just recently broke up mm-hmm. as an asset to that company. That's the main source right there. That's what I was thinking. Then um, I was seeing how, um, what else was it? I'm sorry. They reached their like 10 year status. And then, then it was rumored that um, Takeoff also like had signed another deal or something. And I was just thinking, that's crazy that how all those coincidences was happening. What I was not saying is that Quavo had something to do with it. What I thought was crazy is that, like, you have talked about the insurance policy, how that keeps on happening. And I thought, I'm like, it's just crazy how it would be somebody in their own camp for this to happen around the time that all these deals was going through. And I wonder if that could have anything, if if there was any type of conspiracy, if that would happen to do you know, with it, if going off of, you know, taking a different direction, if that was an issue, just a weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I was going to say is just how I feel that rap community, I mean, rap music affects the community. I don't think it's music itself. It's it's the lyrical content. And... Um, when you have brought up drill rap, I ha- I teach um, sexual health, and um, I have uh, I'm always with students like around like 16 to 18, and a lot of them are artists coming up and they do drill music, and I actually will listen to it. You know, I was you know tell them they want me to check it out, so I listen to it, and there's a lot of aggression, and I'll ask, what is this aggression? Where is it coming from? And it's and it is coming from around them. So I kind of agree with Elijah to where I feel like somehow this this is, you know, this is how they're raised, you know, being raised in it. And I feel like the 
best way for us to change it. Like someone was saying, like, we, it starts in music. And I'm like, it really starts at home. It really starts in what we do on an everyday and how we treat each other as a people. And really, like, even with, like, my students, I try to tell them, I'm like, you know, try to redirect that anger. You know, instead of feeding into it, I, I really praise his musical abilities. But I try to redirect that anger and really teach them about what it is that they're saying. You know, we even break down lyrical content from their favorite artists. I'm like, okay, what it is that, you know, really break down what it is that they're listening to. So I just feel like that type of knowledge from people that look like them is missing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Tyler. It was good talking to you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right, y'all. So it's already 5.09. So we've been on here for an hour. I'm going to try and take as many calls as we can. So let's keep it to about five minutes. Um, the chat is wild. <laughs> the gifts y'all are posting, y'all are a mess. Let me go ahead and bring on Jesus Rivera. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hi, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. How are you? Okay, so one thing I want to say is that I've been a fan of you, I've been a fan of you since high school, ever since that video of the mom who who called a cop on his son for the Pop-Tart. Remember that video? Oh, yeah, the Pop-Tart mom. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Thank you so much. Yeah, but anyway, this situation hit me personally because three days before Jacob got shot, my brother got shot. Oh, no. Around the same week that he, that Takeoff got shot as well. And thank for the grace of God, he's okay. He got shot in the pelvis, but he's, for the grace of God, he's okay. My was thing, this in America? Yeah, in America. In the States? Where? Massachusetts. Okay, Massachusetts. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is my thing. My theory is I feel that what, what happened to Takeoff, I think that was a hit. Because if you are arguing with somebody, first of all, if you take out a gun, the first person you, you should shoot is the person you're having the, the argument with, not the person who's in the sideline doing nothing. That don't make no sense. Make it make sense. Second, um, oh, my God. It's funny how, how there's something, how record companies are saying, oh, no, rest in peace, take off and everything. But these are the same labels that profit out of artists who are already dead and profiting out of them so my thing is if we want to support our artists let's support them when they are in this earth don't support mm. them after the fact because that's the thing that's going on there's some mis- you know you know there's some creepy shit going on it's real here we don't realize we had to think twice before before confronting a situation, because we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know what could happen. We can get shot anywhere, in any place. This is not the first or the last thing that's gonna happen. It can happen anywhere. And to the other people who's hearing this, be careful out there because we don't know. And it's and thank yeah. God, God that my brother got was safe because I he wouldn't have left behind his own daughter. And mm. it didn't hit me until I saw the whole takeoff situation. It didn't hit me when I saw takeoff the news. It, I started crying because. I almost lost my brother as well. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, I got to get a little bit emotional. And- There's a lot of people in the chat that are from Boston. Um, I don't know if you're seeing the chat, but they're saying, because, you know, most people always hear about violence in New York or New Jersey, but they're saying that Boston gets pretty lit and there's a lot of crazy things going on in Boston. I don't live in Boston. I live in a small town in Massachusetts. I don't live in Boston, but I did hurt. I did. Mm-hmm. I don't- but, yeah, too, and... 
yeah, but yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy out here. People don't realize it's crazy out here. And also, I will have to disagree with the young man Elijah said that saying mm -hmm. that people don't talk about this kind of music. There are there are Mexican Puerto Ricans who sing this kind of music about killing somebody and shooting somebody. For example, reggaeton. Reggaeton. Mm -hmm. Reggaeton. There's songs reggaeton that talk about, oh, when I see you coming down, I'm going to shoot you and stuff like that in Spanish. I, I, I'm Puerto Rican. I know that I know that type of music. I know what it is. And not only hip-hop, it's also reggaeton as well. So mm -hmm. for me, again, like I said, um, we have to be careful what we say. Like you always, like you said in your live stream, you have to be careful what you say because it can manifest. And mm -hmm. this with that power. That that it said that this young man lost his life for nothing. This guy was talented. Also, he was a Gemini. People don't realize he was a Gemini. Mm. And this guy was just chilling and all. And he got lost only because of freaking argument. So yeah. and that's why sometimes you have to be very careful with the people that you move with, because sometimes it may not even be your beef or your, you know, anything has to do with you. It could be the issue with that person and another person and you get caught in the crossfire, unfortunately. Yeah. And like you said, if you if you're in a, in a party or in a club or something and you feel that something's about to go down, walk away. Just be like, uh, -uh I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not going to I'm not going to stay here. Something something bad's going to go going on. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's, I think that's what I have to say. Um, I want to thank you for letting me speak. This is my first time doing it. I want to say that I love you. You're blessed. I, I, I love your videos. I love your commentary. I still, I still laugh about the part where you say, oh, hell no. Don't touch that pizza about that lady who didn't watch her hand. Miss <laughs> <laughs> <Ms>. Patsy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but yeah, I want to say that. Um, thank you thank you for joining me and have a blessed day definitely and good luck to your brother as well you know happy healing and fast oh and by the him. way by the way he was uh -huh. also in the industry music industry as well too who your brother is yeah he's in reggaeton oh wow so yeah wow. It, that's why it hit me home because you know but anyways sorry uh, i gotta go but <laughs> okay good talking to you jesus thank you you too <laughs> bye Bye. I'm glad Jesus kept it real. He says, you know, you can find the same thing in reggaeton as well. You know, a lot of times we think it's just hip hop, but it's in a lot of different cultures. And, you know, I'm starting to think, and maybe I'm reaching, being that a lot of hip hop, right? Most people who consume it, they say it's mainly white people that consume it. I think, you know, a lot of people consume it, right? Black, white. White folks are the main ones who spend money to go to the concerts. But most of the people who are listening to a lot of the, the lower vibrational hip hop are people in the hood, people who feel like they can relate. Think about the folks who are also listening to the, that lower vibrational reggaeton. People in you know the hood, lower economic status, the people who listen to that narco music in the hood, in the barrio, lower economic status. So this is what I'm thinking, maybe it's a theory. The reason why they're approving this type of music and they know that these folks are going to listen to it because you have the most rage towards people in your own proximity. You get what I'm saying? So if I'm listening to murder, murder, kill, kill, and if you look at me a certain way, I'm going to you know, shoot you in the head, woo, woo, woo. If I'm going to be listening to that and I'm already upset about my situation, where I'm living, no money, no, no jobs, 
and I see somebody who looks like me, they have the same mentality. We don't trust each other. We don't see each other as brothers. We see each other as niggas. You know what I'm saying? There's more likelihood that you guys will kill each other because in, these people never take their frustration out necessarily to the suburbs or they're not going to go out to Beverly Hills out the way to go hurt those people. They're going to hurt people right in their proximity in their hood in in let i'm just using compton for an example so i feel like maybe that is why they have this type of music and it's being promoted and pushed because we can have all the poor folks you know arguing fighting maiming each other killing each other and then we're up here at the top we're blessed we're making money off of it our families are good we're worth you know 200 million dollars we never have to be bothered with all that stuff at the bottom so I think it's part of a bigger plan, you know, where like Afini Shakur told Tupac, they will give you the tools to, 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 to kill yourself. They're going to give you all the tools, the drugs, the music, the women and things like that. I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking that I'm, I'm looking at it from a whole international aspect. Where are the most crimes at? They're in the slums, the ghettos, the, the, the favelas. And what type of music do they play in those areas? usually the low vibrational music. And I'm not saying everyone, right? Not everybody in the hood, you know, has that mentality. Not everybody in the hood is ready to do the drive-by. I'm not saying that. But even the ones who, who are not like that, who don't do it, they tend to become the prey in the hood, right? So once you've been jumped so many times and attacked so many times, you go from being that good kid to now where you feel like for you to even walk around your neighborhood, now you have to carry a gun because of the situations that you've been, you know what I'm saying, put into. You didn't, nobody grows up as a bad kid. It's all circumstances, you know? So yeah, it just, it, it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. So let me go ahead and bring on um, a few more people here. Somebody said, listen to NBA Youngboy used to make me wanna fight, for real. Listen to Juice World done had me just breaking down, crying and being depressed. I'm like, damn, I was feeling fine today. Now it's like, oh, I just want to pop a pill and just stay in bed. I'm like, I don't even take pills. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I've never done ecstasy. But his music will do something to you where you'll feel like, you know, you're depressed. You're taking on like all his stressors. It's weird. That's why I have to kind of slow down listening to Juice World because he would have me like really mentally feeling away after I would listen to his music. I'd be so sad and, you know, and I don't take stuff like that, so I don't know. Let me go ahead and bring on Paco Flacco. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Yo, what up, everybody? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, first of all, RIP takeoff. The whole situation is crazy, man. Uh, I think he got a funeral up this weekend in the city, so I'm either going to go or I'm, I think they're going to tell. I hope they televise it. Yeah, they said it's going to be at the um, the State Farm Arena where the Hawks play, I believe. So they're going to run out. It's like 20,000 seat arenas where they're going to do the funeral. It, they just announced it like two hours ago. Yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be Are big. I feel live? like, yeah, I'm on the east side. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, we, the city really feels it. And uh, But I, I say this, though. And then I ain't trying to sound like Dr. Phil in here, like I got all the answers. But I, me and my partners, we've been talking like this for a minute, right? Just like, man, that's a lot of negativity going on, you know, woo, woo, woo. And I lived that life and did a lot of crazy stuff. <clears throat> it's really about, like, we really don't know how to heal. Like, we know how to talk about our trauma. We know how to talk about our pain. But we don't know how to heal and get past it. That's why we stuck. 
That's why when we put out music, all we could talk about is the pain. That's why I miss Tupac. Because Tupac would say he gonna put out the pain, and then afterwards he gonna say, "Okay, now what we gonna do with it? Okay, how we gonna deal with it? Okay, this is what we do. If we want to really do this, then we need to do this. See, but nobody's talking about like what's the next step? Because I think that a lot of people emotionally are just stuck. You know what I'm saying? Like even in yeah. when you meet people, a lot of people don't do that. Like, um, and I think that that's what the problem is. Everybody's just stuck. Nobody's healing. Yeah. And let me let me ask you this. I talked yeah. about this a few years ago that I believe a lot of people suffer from hood PTSD. Growing For up sure. in the hood, you get exposed to so much traumatic shit. Like I got exposed to more traumatic shit from the time I was eight till about 20 than I've ever in my adult life. And you have a lot of people who witness drive-bys. <clears throat> I went to probably like 10 funerals by the time I was a senior in high school you know, close friends and stuff like that. But we don't get counseling for none of this. Think about no. when people go to war, right? And you're in Iraq and you lose a comrade, you lose a fellow soldier. They have counseling for you. You know, yep. they, they have mental health services. What happens when you're a kid and you're witnessing death at the death at the death? Your cousins, your big brother, the big homie, you know what I'm saying? This female, that female. And you don't go to counseling. They, they didn't even have no services for us at our school. Right. You know, we know, you're walking past this person's locker every day. Like, damn, I remember I used to talk to such and such in front of the locker. There was no counselors for us. So you're right yep. about that. We, there's nothing to heal our pain when you right. come from certain situations. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, and I think especially people of color, are empaths. They're real mm. sensitive to everybody's spirit. They're real sensitive to, like, energy and frequencies and stuff, right? They did an experiment with water and frequencies one time. They sat water in a room with classical music and sat water in a room full of uh, satanic rock music. And the water in the room with the classical music came out purified and the water with the rock music had impurities in it. It's like a study on YouTube. Like, this is a real thing that they did. Well, most of our bodies are made out of water. So what we soak up around us, like frequencies and energy is very real. So when we around this all the time, we soaking it all up. And then because we don't know how to get to the next step and like fix it, we end up spitting it right back out. So it's really just like a cycle. Like we, we don't really do nothing to change it. You know what I'm saying? Like trouble, trouble passing. I got close family and friends that's related to trouble. Like that really hit home. And then when takeoff passed away, it's like back to back stuff going on in a city that it's like, <clears throat> it's just, I wouldn't blame it on the music and say it's about the music. I say it's about the people, man. Like, the reason why country music and quote-unquote white music, they don't have a lot of deaths and killings and all this other stuff, is because <clears throat> they ain't carrying around as much trauma in their music. I mean, you might have some people talk about, oh, I broke up with my gal and I'm drinking, driving a pickup truck. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just think it's about just getting to the next step. I don't think we really understood really how to get to the next step. And uh, until we do that, we're going to keep making the same kind of music. The energy going to be the same. And, uh, like, it was a couple of people that talked about it. I don't know if they come from where I come from and talking about how, you know, uh, we got this bravado. But uh, that's true, though. Like, you got to be tough. And and what you said, the PTSD is real. It's real out here. You don't understand. The first time I looked in my homeboy's eyes after after his mom died, he was numb. He had no feelings. Yeah. People get killed around us, and you look in their eyes, just look in their eyes. They numb. They don't even know how to feel. 
Mm-hmm. They're so used to it. This ain't their first time mm-hmm. seeing somebody get killed. Mm-hmm. It's not their first time losing somebody. Mm-hmm. And then we don't even know how to deal mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that, you know, mm-hmm. those environments not only create that, but then mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. that's why I kept saying, like, mm-hmm. even when they were, people were upset, right, that folks were filming Take Off Death. But you gotta yeah. understand a lot of them folks are numb. Like this is this is it's not a big deal anymore to a lot of people. It's just right. another day. And mm-hmm. and what kind of bothered me was like Gilly and, and Jay Prince and them, y'all got more smoke for the people filming. Regardless mm-hmm. if you think it's tacky or uncool, that's fine. But they have more smoke for them than even the shooter. Like like we're not yell about the man in the yellow hoodie who actually shot him. And if it wasn't well, for all that footage being filmed, we wouldn't even have anything, you know what I'm saying, to see what all happened. Yeah, well, I can't say who shot who just because where I'm from. Where I'm yeah, from, we're going yeah, to wait for the, you know, to the post. But I will so say this, official though. Announcement. Right, right. <laughs> but I will say this, though. Uh, we need to like what what happened, whoever did it, it was a it was an ignorant situation. It was reckless. It was stupid. It didn't happen. It came from somebody, whoever did it. It came from the mind of a child with a gun in his hand who was pumped up to believe that it, it, he has no value for life, none whatsoever. And that was, and I'm telling you, whoever did it, that wasn't their first time um, being filled up with that kind of feeling to be like, oh, I'm just going to start shooting people. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to kill him. Because coming from where I'm from, like we see this all the time, we see the little homies get trained to grow up to be quote unquote shooters. We, we notice if it's anybody else in the room that grew up, how I grew up in this environment, you know what I'm saying? Facts. They groom these young kids to be like, I go handle that for me. Train them to be numb to where they do stuff like this and they think it's okay. Yeah. You can condition. You, you can. And think about this while we're speaking on that. They used to do the same thing with child soldiers back home in Africa. Like if you ever go back and you look at old war videos, like in Liberia and Nigeria, what they would do, they would get these kids between the ages of nine to 12 years old. They'd pump them up on drugs, give them weed, give them pills, give them liquor. And then they would play, guess what? Rap music. That rap Mm. about killing your ops and shooting. And that's how they were training child soldiers back in the 90s. So that is why you would have a nine-year-old who would not think twice about raping, murdering a, a grown woman, a grown man, because they were trained to kill. And so they had to undo a lot of that. When Once these kids got arrested, what, what do they do? They felt like these kids are corrupt. We should just kill them all. But there were a lot of like little rescue missions that, that came in and was like, no, we have to untrain them. You know, so that way they don't have that mentality that they're just, you know, that they're supposed to just shoot on demand. So you're right. Wow. The same thing is happening in the hood is that a lot of these young kids are being trained to be shooters. I mean, just even when you think about the name shooter, oh, he's a shooter, mm-hmm. he's a hitter, he's a savage. Just think about See, that bring respect to children, right? And kids that bring want, respect. Want, they want some type of admiration. They want a pat on the head. What they're really looking for when you go down to the crooks of the matter is love. They want love. They look, boom, you said you said some real stuff. Yeah, I couldn't have said it the way you said it. Yeah, definitely. That's what it is, because that's why we joined. 
Yeah, unfortunately for them, it's not the real love that y'all are looking for. These people are using you. That's why I've always said, fuck the big homie. Because yeah. I didn't see too many big homies put my little friends that we grew up with, they're doing prison time because of the big homies. Because they sent my friends off on missions because they were too old and too scared to go do it. So that yeah. big homie syndrome needs to be deaded in the hood. Because well, big homie's I'm not a homie. I mean, just keeping it real. Not I, all. I, nah, you speaking fast. Send off kids. Let's keep that real. You right. Most you got some real. big homies at my school. You like, no, nah, young man. You know, do better. Stay in school. But the average big homie in the hood, they're sending kids off. Let's keep that real. That's true. No, you telling facts. You said nothing wrong. Very true. That's very true. How do we? And the thing is, this like, if you come out with music and you say. Man, I used to be this way. Now I'm trying to change and do something better. Let's do it this way. They gonna look at you like a square. You ain't gonna. Nobody's gonna listen to your music. Yeah. So it's it's like, how do we do this? Like Charleston White's approach is retarded. At the beginning, I liked it. <laughs> I thought he had a point. Then after a while, I was like, this sound like an old drunk uncle at the cookout. <laughs> like it stopped making. It stopped being like about what I thought was the purpose and now I started being about some nonsense. So, okay, the way he did it, Yeah, because he's doing too much, man. You know, but then it's like, okay, so his approach ain't working. If we put out music and just start talking about some change and revolution, that ain't going to work either. So how is, like, how is it going to work? Who, like, what can what can happen to, to spark this kind of change? It's got to be somebody that's been through it, that's respected, that starts talking about it. But the um, sad part is the people that's been through it, that's respected in the music industry, they don't want to talk about it. 21 Savage, I'm, well, I ain't going to say his name. I shouldn't have said his name. Well, I just said it now. I'm going to say hypothetically, let's say there's a rapper that's out here popping. I know Mm -hmm. folks that grew up around them in PDE, Paradise East for apartments. Um, Everybody know where that's at, if you're from the East Side. And he ain't on that. Like, personally, as a person, when you're around him, he speak real shit. He speak positivity. He ain't on that. Mm-hmm. But he don't put that in his music. No. You would never know that he he really be about, like, nah, I ain't on that. I ain't gonna send nobody off. I'm not on that. I ain't gonna do this. You know, he, he really speak a lot of positive stuff if you're around him. But they don't talk about it. Like, a, some of, a lot of these people in person, they don't, they don't, they're not as gangsta as they are on their records. They're not. And that's, and, and that's the thing that's so crazy is that, unfortunately, if they do try and talk about something positive or something more uplifting, it gets knocked down, you know? Fact. So that's where you got to look at the big picture because you're right. I've met a lot of these dudes. I've chilled with a lot of these dudes. I told y'all two, three years ago, like, that's why me and Cardi just really clicked. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, like, behind the scenes, the girl, like, me and her done prayed together. Like, y'all don't realize, like, how much a lot of these people really be into, like, church and they believe in God and, you know what I'm saying? But it's, like, the music that they're forced to put out is such a double-edged sword because when they do try and make something that talks about something outside of sex and drugs and, and killing, it gets shut down. They won't promote it. They won't push it. So I think where we can make change is the people because one thing I will say about all this stuff that's going on with these Jewish folks because I'm I'm watching I'm I got my teacup you know see, let me tell you something about but they Jewish coming together people. though but they coming together you get what I'm saying they're coming together that's so what true. I'm saying is this regardless of all the drama they have come together as a collective and they said look 
We're not supporting this. We're, we're not going to buy that. Y'all, you better stand with us, Balenciaga. You better stand with us, Adidas, against Kanye or else. And guess what? Everybody voted. So we got to do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? We got to say, no, when they put out positive music, when 21 Savage or whoever decides to put out something positive, little baby, we got to support it. Because the thing is, we won't support it, so they're not going to push it. The second we start supporting something more high vibrational, they're not going to have no choice but to push it through. But we got to support it as a people, and we got to stop being crabs in a barrel. You know, we very much like that. Very much like that. We we won't support each other. We won't stand together. Even when it came to the BLM. I went mm-hmm. when when that whole thing happened with George Floyd, I went downtown. I ain't gonna lie. My folks told me I was stupid. They were like, Boy, don't go downtown. You stupid as hell. You about to get locked up standing with these white people, with these crazy ass people. I went down there, I was like, nah, this is for a good cause. Well when I went down there, I realized I saw a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with uniting, being together, and let's stand up for this. I saw a lot of stuff that had had to do with everything else but that. Then it's like everybody's divided on standing together when it comes to putting stuff together. You got people, a lot of a lot of black people are scared, man. Let's just keep it all the way real. A lot of black people are scared. Even when you go into your work, even when you look at your workplace, the workplace is a reflection of society. How many people you got at your job that will sit here and talk to you all day in the break room about how they don't like this, they don't like this, they wish this would change, and the moment you say, all right, let's go to the boss and tell them, nah, nah, I can't do that. Nah, I got this job, man. I ain't really trying to lose my job. So it's like the same mentality out here. Like, we're going to talk about it, but it's, it's it, I don't know why it's so many, because, like, we strong people, right? Mm-hmm. But we got so many cowards in the black culture. Like, we're so used, and I think, if you think about it, what does it sound like? We talk about it amongst each other. We hate what's going on. We hate how we're being treated. We want to stand together. But when the doors open up and we got to go in the cotton field, we better keep our mouth closed. Yeah. It starts from slavery. It really does. I, I hate to sound like that dude, but it's conditioning us to not have the courage to stand up and do something. Yeah, to not know how to organize. Said it's the plantation mentality. I like how they said that. That it's the, absolutely. It's the plantation mentality. Living peacefully said that in the chat. Yeah, absolutely. It's a deep. It's a deep subject, man. It is. Well, I you appreciate your chat. Some really good. Yeah, the chat is cracking right now. That's a lot. We have almost uh, <laughs> 1,600 people in here. But no, you provided a lot of good insight. And I'm glad somebody from the east side called in. And, you know, we got to hear from some people in Atlanta. Because I know Atlanta is hurting. I have a lot of people in Atlanta. And I know Atlanta is hurting right now. Um, you know, they're they're one of the biggest stars from the city. So right. it's, it's they, really unfortunate. Yeah. It is. It is. But you know what's so crazy? It's like when people look at what happened to Takeoff, we know people around us that had similar situations happen to them right here in the neighborhood. Yeah. Killed for no reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, you heard about bro? Oh, he just got shot. Why he got shot? Oh, because this, this, and this. For real, that was stupid. He didn't even have to do him like that. I know. That's how it happens all the time. Right. But it only just, gets attention once it's a celebrity. There's so many regular people. Atlanta's hot. Atlanta's been hot for the past few years. You know, just the violence, you know, just everything that's been going on in the A. But it's like, you know, it's, it always takes a celebrity to kind of bring everything to a standstill. Yeah, that's true. That, that, you know, that people care just enough when it's just the regular homie on the hood 
who lost their life senselessly. We're losing a whole generation of young people. I think the mm -hmm. problem is that we get burnt mm -hmm. out. Like we, we get people that light the flame and it's like, mm -hmm. let's fight, let's fight. And then that flame mm -hmm. dies out after about 90 days. Yeah. Why you think, why you think mm -hmm. we, we get started and then we, we just lose the momentum? You think it's lack of support or people start giving up or people don't feel like they see it change fast enough? Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are like instant gratification type people like, OK, we ain't seeing the change fast enough, man. I, man, let me go back to my everyday life. Like, why do you think we fall back so much? I think that's part of it is that. But I also think part of it um, is social media. We spend a lot of time on the Internet. Me and my cousins had this big discussion this weekend. We were talking about just a lot of different topics. And mm -hmm. the news cycle on social media moves so fast. Think about when things happened right before we were all on this Internet space. When things happened, they, you talked about it. You felt it. It was spoken on for at least weeks at a time. There were reminders. Oh, this is, you know, the third week since such and such died. It's been three weeks since Princess Diana died. The news cycle on social media is so fast that and, uh, Charleston White even said that. Y'all won't even be talking about takeoff by Christmas. Ain't nobody mentioned PMB Rock. He died last month. I haven't heard anything. That's and true. I just think that's just what it is. It's just the cycle. We're just going through the motions. Like we're literally waking up from one day to the next. It's like today's already the seventh. I couldn't tell you where the past six days have gone. It's like time is just going so fast. And I think that that's just the mentality now. It's like, you know, what's the next big, uh, you know, story that's about to break? What's going to happen next? So I, I think that's part of that is that now we've been so conditioned that we have sh we have such short attention spans. And it doesn't help when you have apps like TikTok where, you know, 10 second videos and you're just swiping, you're just swiping. I was just about to say that. I feel. I, listen, since social media has been out and I've been work on social media, I really feel like I've gotten dumber. I'm dead serious. Like when I say when I when I say words and use words, like I mess up now. Like, <laughs> like I feel like I can't even speak the way that I used not as articulate as I used to speak because social media is like. I, listen, I can't even tell you the last time I read a book. I was gonna say that it's even hard for me now to like just sit still and read. And I was an avid reader. Like, me too. Was, like that was like my, my peace time where I would just sit and read. But now because everything's online, it's like I can just hear somebody just give me, you know, give me a synopsis of what the story's about. You mm. know, it, it's crazy. Unless I'm doing deep research, it's hard for me to just go and grab a book right now and just say I'm about to just read this 300 page book just to be reading it. You so know we so we it, so we becoming we're becoming more auditory. And how we yeah, soak up information, that. right? Thank so you. Hmm, I, I can't even I, shower anymore by myself. There has to be a TV on in the background or a laptop playing for me to take a shower now. I oh, have damn. to be listening to, to somebody as I'm showering. That's just me keeping it real, even if I'm taking a bath. I, even if it's something about finance or the news or hell, DJ academics, something has to be now in the background. That's just keeping it 100. And people How many of us? the same thing. Like, T, I listen to you when I'm in the back. Yeah. T, when I'm getting ready in the morning, you're playing. Yeah, mm. it's a whole different world out here. How many people go to sleep with their phone? Like, go to sleep and listen, watching TikTok before they fall asleep? I know I do it. Mm -hmm. TikTok on the internet. I got my phone by my bed, by my pillow. 
I watch I watch it before I go to bed. I can't just lay in my bed silently and go to sleep. But what I was saying was like because we're becoming more so auditory, what we what we choose to soak in, what we listen to is even more important now than it was before, right? Yeah. Because before before this, we you know, we could read, we could, you know, it was different, but now everything is very auditory. We put things on, we listen to it. So I think the people who are controlling the um the narrative and the music, they know this. There's there, there's a these record labels know the music that they're pushing. They know what it's doing and they know that it sells and they don't care the consequences of how it, what, what it creates for us as people who really live this, who really go through this and then mimic what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like King Von, rest in peace. I don't have no disrespect to that man. But at the same time, somebody from the street who list, who, who watched this man, I'm looking at people listening to him. Um, that had nothing to do with that life. And I'm like, man, disgusted at people. Like, you, do you know what kind of nigga this? I mean, do you know what kind of person he was? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what he did? That's I've been I around I people like him. That's why I said I couldn't feel no ways, one way or another. He was a killer, too. What I look like? Shedding tears. Absolutely not. I'm not doing it. But we I grew up with people like him in the neighborhood. Yeah, we grew up with people like that, and, and, and people glorified it. And, you know, he's a shooter, he's a hitter. No, he's a serial killer. The only reason that y'all don't call him a serial killer because he's black and he's not eating people like Jeffrey Dahmer. But no, I'm sorry. Somebody who is 20 something years old and has seven bodies under their belt. You're a serial killer. That is the pure definition of a serial killer. But we glamorize it and we and we change words to a savage because serial killers, you know, is for crazy white men. Well, no, this is a crazy black dude in the hood that's taking out people's kids. Yeah. But man, I I really thank you. Like he, the chat is loving you. You made so oh, many points. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. They, they, they cheer you on, brother. Uh, okay. Yes. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> so it. Listen. That, you know, definitely come back again. I need to you follow know. you on YouTube. With I need to follow you on YouTube with a real channel because like I'm following you, but I got like fake. So I got a fake channel on YouTube that I don't use that I just use for like watching purposes. I'm probably gonna have to create a real channel and like really, you know. Like, fo- like, really hit follow you from my from a real page where people can like see me interact with me or whatever like that. Cause I I listen. I've been listening to you. I've been following you for years though. Real talk. Oh, like wow. before you Thank got you. before you got popping. Man, I appreciate <clears throat> yeah. that. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely send me a message. You can message me on Instagram. Just let me know that it's you from the chat. You got the same name on Instagram. Nah, it's yeah, murder on the track on Instagram. Yeah, it's oh, murder yeah. on the track on Instagram. Murder on the track, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, real talk. Real talk. Like, you know, it's, and and it's actually, it's actually my name in real life. Like my mama, people come to my house and be like, "It's murder home." My mom, like, "Oh no, nah, he's not here. He'll be back later." Like, <laughs> <laughs> you name my little hood names, little hood names. Yeah. but that's but, why I say know, everything like I'm saying. I really experienced it. No, nah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, I want to hold. And I appreciate it. You're running your room a certain way. I don't want to take up all your time. Listen, I appreciate it. I will be back on here. I'm going to keep this name on Spotify, though, so when I come back, you'll know it's me. Okay. Okay, perfect. It was good talking to you. Um, thank yes, you so I'm much here. for just coming through with the wealth of information. You have a good night. All right, all right you too. Okay, bye. Right. He made a lot of good points. 
he definitely had to have to crack they had the uh the chat cracking everybody's like he needs to come on the discord tell him to join discord um yeah if he sends me a message i'll, I'll send him a link so he can i think he would be He'd be a good fit for Discord because we'd be having some chat. If y'all think these Spotify conversations that are publicly, you know, pop in, come to our Zoom meetings. Them Zoom meetings, you will leave Zoom like literally some nights we all be crying. We go so deep with stuff on the Zoom meetings. Um, and I love it. Them get it off your chest. They be helping me for real. So, yeah, thank, thanks to him for just calling in with that. Sometimes y'all got to hear that other perspective, and I can just tell he's growing, and he's, he's a young man trying to figure himself out, and he's seeing, you know, just the error of certain things, the way we were raised, especially in the hood. It takes a long time to unprogram that, you know what I'm saying? It, it really does. But um, I just wish the best for everybody. So let me go ahead. I'm going to bring on a few more people here. Uh, let me bring on Roz. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. R-O-Z-E, Roz, or Rose. Okay. Um, my Shamel, my Shamrells. It's my Shamrells. It should be Miss Shamrells, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing today? Good. I love you, T. Thank you for bringing me on, and thank love you, you so much for creating this um, um, channel for us to get together and to vent. Because when I tell you take off death, like touch my spirits, I don't know mm. why I'm, I've, I didn't even know about Migos until like my daughter was like in middle school. <laughs> she put me on. Um, but I mm -hmm. did notice, you know, I watched them over the years and, you know, I did notice that take off was like the, you know, the most chill, calm. You didn't know much about him. You knew about Quavo and his situations. You knew about Offset and Cardi and all of their stuff. But Takeoff was just like the most laid back cool one and I respected that. So whenever I heard him, it was like I would tune in to what he had to say because that's the only way you knew. You know what I'm saying? Or you can get an idea of who he was. Right. Um, right. But since he passed, um, and just seeing like the different little videos and stuff like that of just his personality and it touched me and um, my son happy birthday to him it's his birthday today he just turned 14 he oh, has happy been birthday. thank you um, he has been like really since he was like one years old like hip-hop music has been his thing right mm -hmm. um and he is aspiring to be like a producer and a rapper. And I support him. You know, I've, I'm like, I want him to do what he wants to do and be passionate about it. You know, I want him to do something he's passionate about. But mm -hmm. the other night after takeoff passed, though, he was sitting in the backyard and he was talking and like he got emotional and he was just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I was like, you can. And it's so it took me back to having to tell him about when I was growing up and how hip hop was when I was growing up. I'm an 80s baby, I, I was born in 82. So when I got put on a hip hop, it was still fun, right? We was just having fun, talking stuff, and it wasn't really big, it was really personal, you know what I mean? Because it was ours. Um, and the biggest controversy we had was NWA. And you know, the gangster, when it started getting gangster, and um, it, it, at that time, I remember they was trying to cancel hip hop 
And when I was young, I had the attitude like, nah, it's not hip hop. It's not the music. It's they just speaking what we're going through because I grew up in the hood. Um, mm -hmm. I was like in that it, they spoke to my experience and what I saw as a little girl growing up. Um, we, you know, fantasized about, you know, drug dealers and stuff like that. But at, in the flip side of that, it was always something positive. You know what I mean? To try to change that mind. Like, yes, this is where we are now, but this is what we can dream to do bigger, you know, uh, before right. they even had it. And so I had to tell him when he was asking me, like, well, what kind of hip hop artist died when you was growing up? And I was like, it was Tupac for me. I remember being in like either elementary or middle school when Tupac died and I wore mm -hmm. all black and I was in class crying like my brother had died, <laughs> like my big brother had passed away. And I remember thinking like that was like the biggest thing that happened and that was not going to happen again because so many people came together and was like, nah, we can't do this no more. Like this is, you know what I mean? And now it's like, seems like recently it's just become a norm. And, and that's the scary part. Is exactly. That it's, it's almost like it's been so normalized because when Biggie, when Tupac happened and then Biggie happened six months later, yeah. it's like, you know, we, we can't do this. We can't have this at all. And then right. you didn't see it happening. You didn't, you know, everything for a long for time. Many, many, yeah, for a long time. And so now to be in my kids' generation, and it's like so many rappers around their age and younger are passing. I mean, it, it's almost like the are these the seeds? Are, they, are these the the seeds that were planted throughout the '90s and 2000s coming home to roost? Because why right. are all these babies being taken? They're not even making it to see 30. Right. And I think that's what's really like, I, I'm like my kid, like everybody says, oh, he should be in football. He should be in basketball. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, he like music. You know, that's his thing. And now mm -hmm. I'm like, that can get you killed quicker than you playing football or basketball at this point. You know, but at the same time, it's like, all right. It, it's just like what they, we used to tell our parents and stuff like that back in the day when they used to try to cancel gangster hip hop music. It's like, yeah. No, it's it's our environment. Um, mm -hmm. You got to talk to your kids. You got to really social media has made it so they have access to so much stuff that we didn't remember. We used to have to I used to tell my I was telling my daughter, like we used to have to wait to word up magazine to come out yep. with uh, what a um, uh, uh, what's the name to to see what they was, the, the, what parties they'd been to and what they was wearing and, mm -hmm. you know, what they was dry. We didn't know, like, on a minute, on a dot, what they were doing or how they were living and none of that. I was like, but social media makes it so quick and accessible for y'all now where y'all see everything. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a lot to take in. Even for me, at my big age, I'd be looking like, like, I woke up to take off like my daughter sent it to me and I woke up to a message from her like oh no are are you serious and I'm looking like are what at nine o'clock in the morning like the next morning I'm like what mm -hmm. this man is gone like just overnight like what it is it's too much I think we are over it's like oversaturation of everything like we some things I don't think we need to see or we need to know right away but then again on the flip side of that we do because it's like you need to be aware of this stuff so that it can be a teachable moment so that you can say hey you know 
when it's time to lead a party, don't wait till it's over. Leave before it's over. You know, like it, it, it's that type of stuff now that you have to be. It, it goes like I said, it goes back to you have to speak to your kids. You have to talk to your, mm-hmm. your, your young adults. Um, I agree with a lot of stuff that Paco Flaco just said. Like we, he was preaching. Like I just took in so much of what he was saying. Like I was like I was screaming at my phone. Like preach, young brother. But yeah, it's a lot of stuff that we as the elders now of this generation we have to get our hands on and and like we got to get ahead of and not be scared to talk to our kids about it and try to like like you said earlier when people die in our neighborhood and that went to our school we didn't have nobody to talk to that to talk to about that stuff we had to just absorb it and live with it and go on now because information is so available and accessible to these kids, we have to be aware. We got to stay on top of it. And yes, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of persistence. But we have to ask the elders of this generation because we was there when it all started. And we have mm-hmm. to talk to them about it. We have to give them a space, safe place to be able to talk to about. Like I said, I'm raising a young man. He just turned 14. Like, I don't want him to be hard and absorb all of that stuff and just um, um, take it all in. And and and, and it, it, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you just take it all in and you don't express it and you leave, you know what I mean? I, I don't mm-hmm. want him to do that. I want him to be able to express, feel like he has a safe space to express himself and have somebody to talk to and be vulnerable with because the way the world is going now we need that especially young black male and female children because like you said it's a lot of females that are dying too because this society is putting us against one another that's a whole nother topic but and that's why i also feel like as the elders in the community you know what i'm saying we have to we have to be real. You know, sometimes yes. I can say that my approach can be sometimes harsh, but I don't give a damn. Because no. if I can save one life, you know what I'm saying? Just that's like when I was talking about that whole, you know, jump off culture, side chick culture. Mm-hmm. Because they, they want to glamorize this to young girls thinking they just yep. about to get a bag and some red bottom shoes. You might fuck around and get AIDS. You might Period. fuck around and be murdered. You know, there's all they people never want to talk about the bad. They just want to talk about the glitzy. Everybody's side dude ain't diddy. So let's start mm-hmm. there. A lot of y'all are mm-hmm. pulling that old dusty dude that killed that little girl. So yep. I think it is it is our responsibility as older women and men, because there's nothing wrong with being older, to keep it real with the youth. That's why I get mad when I when I hear foolishness from people like Fat Joe. You have a way bigger mm-hmm. platform than me. Yeah. But you're sitting here talking like, who are these people? Who are these YouTubers? Nobody co-signed them. No, they're the ones that's keeping it 100. They're the ones that's keeping it 100. We don't know you outside of this. You, know you what are I mean? rich, sir. Nonsense. We're going to call it out, period. Exactly. You are a millionaire, sir. You are so far removed from where you started, and you can't even reconnect with the, the youth. Like, I am, you know, I learn from my children every day. Mm-hmm. And as I learn, I have to adjust and learn how to speak 
to them and speak life into them. My son loves, uh, like he grew up loving Lil Wayne. You know what I mean? He grew up loving Travis Scott. Like that was his favorite. You know, like he was devastated when the Astro World thing happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was crying, like it's not his fault. And I'm just like, hey, this is the demonic energy that was put out there and may not have been intentional, but that's what happened. You have to think about what you do before you do it. You have to think about your effect on other people it's not just about you it's a bigger world out there and if you want to make an impact on that world you have to think how you want to make that impact and so that has been my biggest thing as far as my kid and even his friends he has a friend we live in a suburb see we live like i work hard to get us out here you know what i mean and he has friends who they 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 love the culture they love the rap music and stuff like that they listen to nba young boy and all of the you know what i mean trappers safe because they're right you're all safe and he has a homeboy that grew up like didn't grow up but he was born like in oakland in dallas okay and he and we in the hood, he was born. I never there. been to Oak Cliff, but I swear I've been to Oak Cliff. I know all about Oak Cliff, but ain't never been. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, but I wasn't raised there. I'm from Buffalo, New York. I'm all the way from a whole other city. <laughs> and we don't migrated from Buffalo. My son was born in Atlanta, and we moved here to Texas, and we lived in the suburbs in Texas. So you don't know nothing about an Oak Cliff. If I took you and dropped you off at Oak Cliff, right. you would be crying and begging me to pick you up. If I went out there to eat, you'll be like, Mom, where we at? <laughs> Why we mm-hmm. here? And so when he told me that his homeboy was like really like, you know, infatuated with it, I was like, he needs to stop. He grew up in the suburbs. I know his parents worked hard to get them out of there. I was like, y'all are not from the hood. Y'all could not be from the hood. And so and I had to go back and like explain to him like different rappers and stuff like that. Like, hey, you know, you got it's cool. It's not always you don't have to rap about being in the hood if that's not where you from. You had Kanye way back in the day. He was the uh, you know, he was the guy with the college and dropped out. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, like that's what we had. Like you said, it was checks and balances. It was something that everybody can relate to as some. You had the Fresh Prince of Bel- <laughs> You know, you had all these different things and people that you can check in with and, and relate to. And speaking of check-in, it made me think about that check-in culture. This takeoff situation, tr- trash. Effing trash. That takeoff uh, situation... A lot of these rappers, a lot of these artists should be shutting that shit down. If you have money to pay something, like you said, friendly extortion, pay that shit to the police. Pay that to a uh, real um, security professional agency to secure and protect you and your, your crew. All of that check-in culture should be at this point dead because what we saw on camera that shit is trash because at the end of the day when something goes down they can't control them niggas that's with them nope that's that was so dis- yes i was like when you said that in your life i was sitting here clapping and screaming at the uh phone screen because yeah, i was like so i'm tired because of because when i talked about it after pmb rock died you yes. know I made, a, I made a youtube short i put it on instagram and i put it on um tiktok so kind of like low key, you know, went viral or whatever. So it was a lot of people like, you know, kind of coming for me. Like, and I remember that female, she was from Cali and you don't know what you're talking about. They paying for protection. Bullshit. 
It's not protection. That don't have to, first of all, it's friendly extortion <laughs> if you want to go uh, cruise around and moonlight in the hood and just say you was there. That's the type of friendly extortion it is. You ain't got to go to the hood. The hood will come to you. If they love you and they mess with you, and I grew up in the hood, and I remember being growing up in Buffalo, New York, and not many people came there. But when I tell you the people that did come there, they knew that Buffalo was wild and crazy. So it usually wouldn't even be an after party. Like I, when I like lived in Atlanta, everywhere you went, it was an after party. But when I grew up in Buffalo, no, there was no after parties. Because uh, niggas didn't want to go out in Buffalo. Because they, they knew what was going on. Like, they knew we was poor and it was an opportunistic situation. If they can catch you mm-hmm. sleeping, they will get you. Period. I don't care who you checked in with. I don't even think it was anybody to check in with. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like you said, ain't no Taylor Swift having to go and check in with nobody. Yeah, that's because Taylor Swift ain't trying to go right around in the fifth ward. She's not interested. It, whoever want to see her, whether they from the fifth, fourth, third, or fourth, uh, uh, first ward, they're going to go to her concert. And that's that. Exactly. If there's exactly. an after party, they're going to go to that. But other than that, you don't have to worry about nothing. So all that check-in shit should be dead at this point because that, what we just seen with takeoff was disgusting and disappointing and Jay Prince should be ashamed to even continue, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm even disappointed that he even said anything. Like, he should have just shut up. Yep. Well, on that note, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. And talking to you. Thanks, sis. All right. Appreciate have a good night. You, you too. All right. So I'm going to take a few more calls. Um, We've been on for about two hours, but I'm loving the conversation. So we can, you know, keep going for a little bit here. So let me go ahead and bring on Andrew Jones. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Got to give y'all a round of applause because this has been so great. Lovely seat. It's been really great. You get the, you got to get that all of y'all, whether you on stage or those in the chat, it's really been tremendous to see on here. So you had to get that all the way. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Where are you calling from? Right here in Brooklyn, New York in Bed-Stuy. I hear that accent. So what do you think about just the conversation, you know, just where hip hop is going and just everything that's going on right now because a lot of people are definitely taking takeoff's death very personal very emotional but it's also leading to a lot of questions mm-hmm. when you know hip-hop the lyrics the you know the, the vibration the energy all that stuff well you know it's always first in terms of the two conversations where the conversation in the black community and i, I always will say Black music first and foremost, but it because it is black music with that, that that's going to come from us in terms of the community of self-police and in terms of self checking each other to make sure that we don't have things like this continuing to go down. That's one conversation in itself that's amongst black people and black people only with that and not any of these people outside that want to try to come in the conversation and have broad stereotypes on just the black community in general. But my focus on this is seeing those in the non-black community who love our culture, who love our music, want to be around in the good times and everything with that, want to own our whole music. And yet you can't get these artists who are giving you multiple millions of dollars, at least some level of security. You can't make sure in terms of talking and advocating with black people in general, in terms of the socioeconomic economic 
disadvantages that still take place constantly and how that still is a thing that you benefit from for society. You can't come out and be and be adamant about these things not happening again and making sure that you're doing your power to prevent these things from happening. That's where we have to see the non-black community step up and really advocate for us because without them, Without us, we they wouldn't have any entertainment, any enjoyable lives with that. They wouldn't be able to have a level of getting fun in their life from our culture and benefiting from that. Well, we're instrumental in our lives. How they say Wall Street is too big to fail. Well, black people in general in America is too big to fail. And their coach and our culture, they're benefited from with that. So not seeing any of the real tributes that need to be in terms of addressing societal issues that they benefit from up with that and how they should be as outraged whenever we see another shooting like this happen, another young death in terms of a young black artist, then that's something where we know that they are still the frauds that they are and all the performative behavior that they were doing two years ago after George Floyd is still showing itself once again. So it's all about to me more of the accountability outside for them because they quick to have broad generalizations about this and saying our music is causing this and everything with that. That's the conversation for us in the black community to deal with. It's for them to step up and have these society advantages that they benefited from and how they love to appropriate and do things. Well, they need to be there for us when there's hard times in general like this and demand that society do better for black people in general. Mm. Well, you just said a lot. And I definitely think, you know, like the old saying goes, it takes a village. And while we do have to hold ourselves accountable, we yes. also have to look to our so-called, you know, like like the, the white counterparts who are, um, what do they call them, um, partners in all this stuff. We also need mm-hmm. them to be holding these record labels accountable and saying, hey, we stand in solidarity with hip hop. We don't want to see any more hip hop deaths. We want to stop living vicariously through gangbangers and drug dealers and everything else, because for them, it's just a vicarious moment. But for that kid in the hood who's listening to this, they're thinking that's how they should be growing up. They're thinking that's what it is to be a man. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take everybody, you know what I'm saying, stepping up and saying that they're not going to consume that type of music anymore. No doubt about it. That's all I got to say. Lovely C, appreciate you all the way. You get the claps. Y'all all all spitting the facts with this. And... Definitely going to come around for the next one. Y'all take it easy. God bless you. Okay, perfect. You too. Thank you so much. So today's show sponsor is HelloFresh. Fall is a perfect time to cozy up with delicious sweets. Get the whole family involved in HelloFresh's limited edition kid-friendly baking kits. And while you're at it, enjoy the freshest fall flavors that HelloFresh has to offer. Their recipes include ripe, just-picked produce that travels directly from the farm straight to your doorstep in less than a week. I really like HelloFresh because, like I've always stated, their recipes are so easy to follow. And best of all, their food tastes great. Anytime they come, I make my youngest son cook it. That is his assignment, and that is actually an assignment that he enjoys doing. So if you're interested in signing up for HelloFresh, make sure you go to HelloFresh.com forward slash SipSlow16. Make sure you use the code SipSlow16 to get 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. So make sure you guys check them out because HelloFresh is the number one meal kit in America. Um, Let me bring on official... 
Shadi? Yes. You said hey, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. That's good to hear. I've been listening to you since like the whole COVID-19 thing started when you put out that first video. And my mom was like, what is you like onto like all these conspiracy things? And I'm like, no, I've been listening to this lady, lovely T. So I've been putting a lot, a lot of like my family members onto you. And I just want to thank you so much for all the work that you do because you just don't understand like being a 23 year old i've been listening to you since like i was 18. so it's just a lot of things you're like really like you know second parent to me because you spit so much real game but i just want to give you your flowers because a lot of us we tend to you know do that when the person passed away hence like take off because he was saying Mm -hmm. that in the drink champs or whatever that um one podcast was he was on yeah it's so crazy how a couple like you know whatever i don't know how long ago that um was but he passed away sadly and you know it's just like it really pissed me off because i'm like damn pmb rock now um take off who who next because it's like honestly from my background like I'm Haitian, right? So mm-hmm. I really feel the re- the reason why Kodak ain't in that list too is because he got all that war on him. But like with with all these other rappers, I just Kodak, really you think like, he has what on him? He has like what? Like woo, like I, we be saying woo, oh, like, like voodoo, like, like voodoo. Yeah, like protection. You're talking about yeah, like protection. protection. Okay. Because a lot of, like, us, like, because Kodak be in the hood, too, out here. Because not too long ago, he, he was hanging out with people in Boynton. He be having, you know, little girlfriends or whatever in the hood, stuff like that. But he got protection on him. But it's, like, one thing I was listening to, because I be watching academics, because he be saying a lot of, like, real things. So he was doing a whole, um, on his other channel with, like, Whack 100. And on Playhouse 2, Wack 100 be spitting some real things. So they're like, oh, you're up there. Why do you still feel like you need the street credibility? You need to be around all these dudes shooting dice without without no, like, real, like, protection, without no, like, for example, your homeboys, they're not really trained like that to shoot in really, like, combat type of mode. Like them dudes who go to the Army, who get professional Army training or police training type things so i'm just like it it just really hurts me because i i grew up like listening to like migos because it's just like their music it makes you feel hype a certain type of way like i remember one song that comes to mind is um the bird song like when they just first started dropping their like older mixtapes i think it was like back 2018 or whatever or 17 but Mm -hmm. it, it just I feel like music right now is like the new crack epidemic because it's like a Mm. bunch of things are getting filtered through music and now I have like two daughters. So I'm just like thinking, damn, like I don't want my kids to grow up the way that I grew up because really like starting to listen to me goes that really brought me into like. I ended up starting selling like trees, things like that, or whatever. I ain't gonna self snitch too much. I don't know who listening. Right. 
<laughs> so it's like a lot of people they tell me they're like oh my gosh everything that happened in your life you should really like write about it because it's like i i had a whole bunch of friends we always you know listening amigos and then you know we we serving we doing our thing or whatever making money because i i had a whole tomboy phase or whatever i was that one girl but anyways so it's like the whole music industry it really it, it we really look up to these rappers as like a father figure if it, it, it's kind of strange to really see it because if you think about it a, a lot of our dads wasn't here my mom a single mother working two full-time jobs barely could make ends meet and i'm over here like giving my mom a whole grand to pay rent and she's like you know what i don't care but like she get the money and then she's like wait samantha how, how you got this money and i'm like mom don't worry about it and i'm over here like you know helping on things like that but it's like certain things you do have to tell your kids because i don't want my daughters growing up the way that i was raised so that's why i'm like you know more into well sacrificing a lot of things i'm even in therapy right now and that's one thing we have to do we have to like put our kids in therapy any type of things they go through even if you might think uh, they're they're not going to be traumatized kids will be traumatized because i've seen people overdosed in front of me not thinking about you know eh, that that's nothing that that's not going and then ambulance comes like it's just a whole bunch of things that we see growing up we don't realize that that's going to affect us and things that we hear because exactly. i would never thought hearing those music would like affect me the way it affect me but it's not now that i'm older looking back i'm like oh my gosh it was really the music and my friends that i had around me because i remember one of my i never like would think my friends would like betray me because now being 23 i'm like i'll have no friends I'm just like to myself, my mom and my kids and my boyfriend, them my friends and like a few family members who like cool with me or whatever. Cause I'm just so afraid to trust people now. Cause they always are like, you're, if you have a certain type of personality, you cannot be in the streets. If you have like that good soul, cause my mom a Christian and the way she raised me, like it, it was just like so pure and she taught me right from wrong. But also having that Caribbean side, I, that's why I went into the whole, like, when I first started talking to you with the whole um, how Kodak, I really felt like could have been on that list if he didn't have, like, all these extra protections. So with the whole takeoff that I really feel it's, like, grimy, but I, I, I'm just going to stay tuned and watch out. I want to see if, like, Quavo go like you know get more up there because i just i'm just like oh i hope he ain't used him as like some type of like sacrifice i don't know because it's like so much sacrifice in this music industry because i was offered like money to get into the music industry because i rap too but i'm glad that i never got there to the music industry because it's like if because knowing my mom a lot of things she wouldn't allow me to do because uh, it's just a lot of like grimy things that you have to do a lot of like circles you have to be around and a lot of times because just like how takeoff he was just there but he wasn't in the mix with nothing not arguing with nobody and then bullet hit him in the back of his head like what the fuck and if you watch that video it's so crazy people who supposed to be with you like cool with you or whatever say they're gonna protect you ain't nobody gonna protect you only god when it's the day for you to die can't nobody stop that 
it, it was his day. I, I'm sorry for everybody. Like, take off. Trust me, is my favorite rapper. I was so happy when he like put out his solo album. I'm like, yes, finally they're giving this boy a voice. And then now he put another album out with um Quavo, and then now he passed. Like, bruh, he didn't give us. We ain't had enough of him. Like, he he was so always exclusive, and it's just like, damn. Cause he kind of right. Well, thank you so um, much for calling. I'm gonna go ahead and bring on a few more callers because we got to get ready to wrap it up. But it was um, very good talking to you. Likewise, thanks for bringing me on. Bye, y'all. All right, bye. All right, let me go ahead and bring on Hustle T. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello again, I'm Lover T. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, this takeoff situation it devastated me because. I met them. I met both of them live on Instagram, and me and Takeoff, it was a good experience for me, but when he passed it hard to the core, this is ridiculous, because we just lost Nissy Hustle, Pot Smoke, and now we're losing, now we lost him. This is too much. That's why I don't listen to music like that. I listen to, like, Two White Wave, I listen to Young Jeezy. I don't listen to rap that just talks about killing our own people. Mhm, and it seems like it's constant, right? Right. So, what do you think can you know, like, what changes do you think can be made to where you know they're not talking about the same type of things in their music in the future? Like, do you think that that's ever going to change, or do you think that nobody will support it if they start talking about things that are positive? The thing is, maybe if we start promoting more something positive, then maybe this would change. Like, why wave? He talks about his feelings a lot. He doesn't talk about no violence or nothing. Why wave talks about his feelings? Young Jeezy talks about what's on his mind. That's what people I like listen to. But if this keeps up, then this is not going to stop until we come together and say we want to hear something positive. Like, I spoke to Kurt Franklin just now. He's definitely that he um, heard about takeoff. That's why I'm more of gospel than um than hip hop. Okay. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I remember your first video I watched. I was a big fan. Is when you went off on there. That was the very first video I watched, and I think that's when I first started connecting with you when you went off on Viv. Oh, you talking about Aunt Viv? Yeah. When you, <laughs> when you and Phil Scott went off and when Phil Scott said he made me die and laugh, both you guys made me laugh so hard, and I was I went to that. That's what I remember. I had to drag her. You know, I, she she, she came after all the black content creators, but left all the white content creators alone. Allowed them to use that. her video, but not us. I remember that. And I was so mad. I said, I bet Lover T and Fist got going to thin this up. And they actually, and you actually did. Yep, I did. I had to let her know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for calling in. It was really good talking to you. Can you send me the Zoom link um, to your community post so I can join in? You have to be in the Discord in order to get into the Zoom. But if you're on Patreon or the YouTube membership, we will be posting. We'll have more posts. Okay. So I can definitely keep you posted at that time. All right. All right. All right. Well, we're about to end the show. I don't know what's going on. Maybe um, the because we've been on here for over like two hours, so maybe the connection is acting up for people. I'm not sure. But this has been a wonderful two and a half hour conversation. 
Lots of really, really good points. And I'm just like really happy that so many people showed up. We had um, at one point 1,700 people in here. So thank you guys so much for all y'all's, you know, calling in, everybody's point of view. Great conversation in the chat. The chat was definitely popping. Lots of really, really good gems. And so just thank you guys so much for just spending this evening with me. Um, you guys take care of yourselves. Stay prayed up and understand that life is very short. So live it to your fullest. You know what I'm saying? Put the put positive energy out there. You know what I'm saying? Try and leave a great legacy. So that way, when it is your time, people can say, you know what? That person was a dope person. That person was a pillar of the community and not a menace. So thank you guys once again for joining me. Everyone take care. Rest in peace to take off. I love you guys. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.